following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am lost. Precious Lord, and lead me
I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans, now chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful men to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled by the not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Romans, the eighth chapter. This is Romans, the eighth chapter, part two. Let's pray. Our Father, I come today pleading that you would remove from my heart and from the heart of my brothers and sisters every spot, every wrinkle, that you would remove from our hearts all rebellion, all of self-interest. Lord, I ask that you would come in mighty power and wash and cleanse by the precious blood of Jesus. 
Lord, would you come today? And those who are still walking in sin, Lord, would you deal to the bottom of their hatred for you? And would you change their hearts? And Lord, those of us who love you with all of our minds, heart, soul, Lord, we love you. And yet we find there remains in us this remnant of old nature that is that is so dark I'm asking oh Lord for a total washing and cleansing and filling by your Holy Spirit for each one who listens today and Lord some are in such crisis some families are in such crisis Lord I pray for Kiki who's just taken an overdose of pills and is now in a rehab center. Lord, her foster parents love you with all of their hearts. I pray right now you will reach out and touch them, encouraging the parents and giving Kiki a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. Lord, would you break the power of the devil over her mind? Would you set her free? Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. We look today at the eighth chapter. And specifically, I want to go back and begin to talk about the two laws. There is first the law of sin and death. And there is secondly the law of life. We live under one of those two laws. There is no other law. There is the law that is good, righteous, and holy, but it brings death. It's not the law's fault. It's the human person's fault because they won't submit. They won't take up their cross and follow Jesus and die. They choose to run their own life. And then there's the law of the spirit of life. That's the one I'm excited about. But you see, in verse 6, it says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. There is a supernatural work of grace, of transformation, of crucifixion, of heart being circumcised by Jesus to end this bitterness that resides in hatred toward God in the heart of every man and every woman. Now this does not happen. It does not happen quickly. It takes time. When we're born again, we walk away from all known sin. 
but then we have to deal with this yet remaining inner hostility toward God that causes us to constantly want to wander away from him and not find the peace and joy and rest in his presence. You see, there's a a hatred. Some of you would say, Pastor, I don't hate God. If you still live in sin, you still hate God. And if you have forsaken your sin by the power of the blood of Jesus, there's still a portion of your inner being that has hostility toward God. And the problem is, it's not quickly dealt with. One woman that I just heard about goes to work every morning at 9 a.m. She works until 9 p.m. At 9 p.m. she goes home and begins to cook dinner for her family. And hopefully by 10 o'clock or so they have eaten and and things are cleaned up and she crashes in bed and the next morning gets up six days a week she does this on the seventh day she spends her day shopping running errands trying to get everything set up for the coming week that's her life she does it for money she does it for her family It's the only life she knows. Well, you may not work those kind of long hours, but I suspect many of you who hear this broadcast hear it on the run. You don't have time to really settle down and let the Holy Spirit deal with your inner being. You're still jamming. You're still pushing. You're still trying to accomplish something in the human flesh and so you carry with you that inner hatred of God that hostility toward him and some days you think this is all very unfair it's what you're creating it's what you have chosen and you say oh no pastor I didn't choose yes you did Yes, you are. I've been reading these last days and living in the book of Jeremiah once again as I make my pilgrimage from Genesis to Revelation through the scriptures. I've gotten caught in Jeremiah. I keep going back and rereading and rereading. And one of the things that is catching my heart is that God is so concerned about Judah's ways. What are Judah's ways? The way they go about their life. The priorities they've established. What their ambitions cause them to do in cheating and lying. What their wickedness causes them to do in seeking out other idols. A man's heart, a woman's heart, will always drift toward 
that which he loves the most. And that which you love the most that is not Jesus becomes your idol of choice. For some of you, it's entertainment. For some of you, it's drugs or alcohol. For some of you, it's lust. For some of you, it's shopping. Whatever our heart loves, we drift toward, we are drawn to. And if that is not Jesus Christ, if your heart is not eager to pick up the scriptures and devour them, you would rather sit down in front of the television. You are telling God what your idol is. And in Jeremiah, they are going to be taken into captivity and Babylon is going to come and destroy their temple and their nation because of their ways. Because they have rejected Jesus the Father. They have rejected and have turned to other idols. Behind all of this is this bitterness of heart toward God. Remember, Adam and Eve are in the garden. They have chosen against God. And now God comes in the cool of the evening wanting to fellowship with them. And where are they? They are hidden in the bushes. And God calls out, Adam, Adam, where are you? I was naked, so I hid. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat of? And God very kindly covers them in skins so they're no longer appearing naked. God is so gracious. He loves you. He cherishes you. But if there is a hatred in your heart toward him, what can he do? In the third chapter of the book of Romans, the apostle Paul writes, Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. Verse 10, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away and have become worthless. All have turned away. There's not one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. This is the true condition of man's heart. There's nothing good dwelling in a sinner man. There's no spark of God in a sinner man who wants to do what is good. There is, Genesis 3.15, a small open door in the soul of a man where he can turn and seek after Jesus. Romans chapter 2. Let me read this for you. Verse 5, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed 
and God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth, follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble, distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Verse 12, All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it's for those who obey. The law will be declared righteous. See, the law is righteous. The problem is not with the law, but the problem is that the law is ineffective in turning our hearts to righteousness. You can try as hard as you want as a wicked, sinful man to become righteous. You can moderate some of the outward behaviors, but you're still utterly evil on your inner being. And there's still a hatred in your inner heart toward Almighty God. Now, Romans 7, we've said, is the life of a man or woman who say they love Jesus, but they are still living under the law and they are condemned to death. The law of sin and death is still over their heads because they have never come and honestly and truly confess to the depths their sin and repented of it and turned and walk another way you see this whole deal how do i put it salvation is by faith alone in jesus christ but a faith that does not work will not produce righteous behavior and you will not be saved we will be judged by what we have done. Now, Romans 8 is the normal, natural life of a true Christian person. Verse 11, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. I have been asking Jesus, would you give me life in my mortal body to carry on the work of the gospel, not in self-interest, but in the interest of the kingdom of God? According to the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, we have the opportunity to ask the Lord God of heaven to by his spirit quicken our mortal bodies and give us life. Verse 12, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. How do you put to death 
the misdeeds of the body by confessing them honestly before God and then repenting and asking Jesus to come in and totally take over your life, submitting to him, giving up all self-interest and now focusing your time and your attention and your money on the kingdom of Jesus Christ and becoming an active worker for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So what is it that the Spirit of God wants you to do? He wants you to forget about yourself and he wants you to honor Jesus. That's what the Spirit of God is about. Honoring Jesus, lifting Jesus up, letting him be everything in your heart, your mind, and your soul. Verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's the familiar daddy. God the Father actually comes and becomes our Father. And we live in a totally different realm. Our heart rejoices in the glory of being washed clean by the blood of Jesus. The sinful nature, if we live according to that nature, what is the sinful nature? Well, let me turn very quickly, and I'm going to read for you what the wonderful writer, the Apostle John, has to say this is John the second chapter do not love the world or anything in the world and that is do not agape that is do not sacrifice yourself for the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for everything in the world now he's going to list what is in the world. The cravings of sinful man, that is, the lust of sin, wanting to be pampered, self-indulgence. It's the physical, sexual uncleanness. It's the love of the devil and of darkness. So he's saying, everything in the world the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, that is stuff. Stuff. And the boasting of what he has and does, pride. This does not come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And then chapter 3. Everyone who sins breaks the law. Sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. Remember out of chapter 8 and chapter 7 of Romans? 
Jesus condemned sin in his atonement. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, because he's been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. That's First John. Now, Paul is saying to us that you can be led by the Spirit of God. He wants to lead you. When we come to Jesus, we don't receive a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of slavery, a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of sonship. We're part of the family. And out of our mouths, we begin to cry out to our Abba, to our Daddy, to our Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, Now, I ask you a question today. Does your heart testify that you are a child of God? Or is it just an intellectual agreement? Oh, I'm a Christian. While there yet remains in your soul cynical bitterness and hatred toward God. Verse 17, he says, Now if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Well, what sufferings do we need to share in? The crucifixion of self, allowing Jesus Christ to bring us fully into that place of having our hearts circumcised. There is the suffering of a man or a woman who faces the world and is persecuted, is condemned by family, is told you're a fanatic, we don't want to associate with you anymore. There is the struggle that you will go through as you are faced by the enemy's accusations as he says you are not forgiven, you are not belonging to Jesus. You are mine. The devil will come against you with every attack. He'll tell you that you're an orphan, that you've been left behind by God. The devil will come and say to you, your situation is hopeless. You're going to die. You're going to die a homeless person. You're going to be destroyed. That's mental suffering. But our hope is, is in our daddy, in our father. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. We now 
have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, when we have renounced all sin, when we have left behind everything that the Holy Spirit has told us to leave behind, when we have received Jesus Christ as both our Lord and our Savior, when we now give everything we have, body, soul, and spirit, unto Jesus. Now the devil will come and attack you. He won't bother with a normal, nominal Christian in America because they still have the hatred of God in their hearts. And it's reflected in the way they treat one another. It's reflected in their bitterness and their anger. This is such hard stuff and please just read just read chapter 8 of the book of Romans read it reread it walk through it hear the word of God to your heart I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us what is his current suffering imprisonment beatings shipwrecked criticized and condemned by the Judaizers scorned stoned I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us my brother my sister hear me if you want to follow Jesus prepare yourself to suffer Prepare yourself to be condemned by your family, by friends. Prepare yourself to be persecuted by the state, by the government. Christians are an object of genocide in this world today. Right now in America, we have relative freedom. We are fast losing that freedom. Prepare yourself by reading the word to fulfill the sufferings of Jesus in your body, in your mind, in your heart. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. When God brought a curse against the earth, the thistles and the thorns, the decay, did you know the normal way of life is not for things to decay? And in the new earth... Decay will not be a part of our culture or a part of our life or a part of the earth. It says the earth is groaning. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. 
Not only so, but we ourselves, who who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we will wait for it patiently. I don't have yet what my heart most desires, and that is to dwell face to face with my Lord. That's the cry of my heart, that I could be with the Lord and with his people, and that this battle would be finished, it would be completed, it would be over, sin would be dealt with and utterly destroyed. the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. O Holy Spirit, would you intercede for each person listening to this broadcast? Would you give very clear direction? Would you reveal your purpose for each part of what they are involved in? Would you answer the prayers and the cries of their heart? Lord, I plead for your blood today for your people. Lord, America is about to be swept aside. Your judgments are going to come upon this nation. Lord, I pray for your people. I pray for those who today are suffering. I pray your grace and your mercy would come and minister to them. Lord, would you come now in power? And Lord, some are saying, I really want pastor to come to Jesus. But this hatred you talk about, it's in my heart. And it makes me cynical and angry and cold. Lord, I pray for that person. I pray for that person today who is cynical and angry and cold, who is caught in their in their anguish and their pain, and they don't know how to get out. I ask, Holy Spirit, would you go and minister right now to their hearts? Would you open a door of hope in the valley of Achar? Lord, would you open a door of hope for each who is listening today who is caught in the anguish and pain of their heart? They don't understand, Lord. They've given themselves to pursuing things of the world and the flesh and the devil, and it hasn't satisfied their hearts. They're still longing for something more. Oh, Lord, would you come now? Would you minister to their need, to their cry? 
and Lord, there are many listening who are very religious but have never known the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. They go through the traditions of man. They have strong opinions. But they have never been baptized by your Holy Spirit in the fullness of Pentecost. Lord, I pray for those who are listening. I'm asking Holy Spirit, would you go and pray? Would you intercede for them? Would you pray for them? With groans before the throne of God. Would you rescue your people, Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Paul continues in the 8th chapter, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God does not work for the comfort of those who love him. He doesn't work for the pleasure of those who love him. He works for the good of those who love him. Will you trust that God is working everything out in your life and that you can trust him and that if you love Jesus with all your heart and you've put away your sin, put away your your fears as well, Take your fears into the prayer closet and lay them out before the Father and ask him to request that the Holy Spirit would pray on your behalf. Give to him every fear you walk with. Let the Spirit of God work for your good in removing all fear, all depression, all discouragement, Let the Holy Spirit come and work for your good. Because in everything that's happening in your life, God has a plan. I have a word that Jesus spoke to me. He just very quietly, in the agony of my heart, as I was praying, said, I have a plan for your life, Ray. Praise God. This is not a wandering in the desert with no plan. This is operating according to the plan of God. I stand by faith that he has a plan for my life because he said he had a plan for my life. And that he will quicken my mortal body by his power and the power of the Spirit. Now, for those God foreknew, now this is not speaking singularly. It's speaking in the plural. It's speaking about the church. God predestined that he would have a church, a holy people, that would be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those, that is the church he predestined, he also called to be justified, to be made righteous. And those he justified are made righteous, also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
if God is for you, and he is, who can be against you? Who can be against you that it matters? It doesn't matter. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who makes righteous. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died? Oh, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that concludes... Romans chapter 8. We are so precious in the eyes of God. We are so important to Him that He would send His Son to die on Calvary. It's the heart of God that you be delivered from the law of sin and death. It's the heart of God that you should live in the law of the spirit of life. But there is that part of your heart that is twisted. And every sensibility will rise up and say, don't trust him. You never know what he's going to do with you. You never know what he's going to ask you to do or where he's going to ask you to go. Will you simply cast yourself out of the darkness into the light? Will you choose Jesus? Now, some of you, and what's difficult for me is that some of you are just hardened sinners. You hear my cry, repent. But some of you are very tender-hearted Christians who love Jesus with all your heart but are suffering. I want to say to you, Jesus knows your suffering. He knows that you face impossible situations. Whether it be your body's dying 
And you need the Holy Spirit to come and quicken you by his spirit. Or you have children who are in full rebellion against the Lord and break your heart. Or you're facing a spouse who is rejecting you and is going to leave. Whatever the suffering is today, it does not compare to the glory that Jesus has in store for you. So stand like a good soldier of the faith and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and trust that he is doing exactly what he promised he would do for you. He is literally giving you the spirit of life, loving you and carrying you. Rest in him. Let's pray. Lord, I come today with a heart so full and overflowing that I can barely do this broadcast. I see your people wandering like sheep without a shepherd, broken, hurting of heart. And then I see the religious crowd, proud and arrogant, who will not obey the word that you've spoken, who will not repent, who are full of ambition and self-assurance and pride. And then I see the scornful mocker who has turned against you, Jesus. Lord, I, I lift up all of those listening to this broadcast, regardless of which class they're in. And I ask Jesus that you would move in power for exactly the need that they have. Would you open the doors of heaven and shine forth your glory and let each person know your love and compassion that leads to repentance. Let each who is committed to you have hearts filled now with hope, knowing that you are coming for them, knowing that everything that they are doing, you're bringing about the very thing that is good for them. O oh Lord, today, some of us have broken hearts. Would you give us also humble spirits? As we cry out in our prayer closets that you would bring revival to America, that you would send forth your spirit and lift up a standard of righteousness in this nation, that no longer should the ungodly lead the news, but, O oh God, that what would lead the news in America would be the crowds of people coming and being healed and saved and restored. Lord, come. Come and deal today with your people. 
in mercy and grace and kindness. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd like to hear from you. If you are helped by this message, it encourages you, you enjoy listening. It draws you to Jesus. Would you help support it by your tithes and offerings? You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel if you want to be serious about Jesus. Call me at 703-489-1785. Again, call me on my cell phone, 703-489-1785, and I'll give you directions that you could come Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. You can go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Jesus loves you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.